This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Fran Burwell. Fran Burwell is the Vice President of the Atlantic Council in Washington, D.C., running its European Union program. Fran, obviously we're going to talk about transatlantic matters. Um, and as you know, when President Obama went into the White House, there was this big talk about the so-called pivot to Asia and the European Union. Many people in the EU were worried that the U.S. was losing interest in, in the EU. Fast forward a couple of years, a few years now maybe, and now there's another narrative whereby on the back of the NSA scandals or revelations, the, this new d- discussion about inquiries into some corporations, U.S. corporations' uh, tax payments or not, as the case may be, and then this broad discussion about technology, that there's a kind of anti-Americanism now in, in Europe. What do you say to that? Well, I think that when President Obama came into the White House, we were in quite a different geopolitical and economic situation. Uh, we were just at the beginning of the financial crisis moving from the United States to Europe. Um, and Europe's geopolitical neighborhood, in terms of the East and the South, looked quite calm. So from the perspective of a president who has a rather global outlook, focusing on Asia seemed to be a not illogical thing to do. After all, Europe had a lot of the uh, systems and networks and institutions in place that guarantee its security and its prosperity. And those seemed to be doing fairly well on the financial crisis, or at least the Europeans seemed to want to handle that more themselves rather than having the U.S. totally engaged in that. Um, To me, then, it seems as though the president looked and saw that he had this rapidly growing area of the world, Asia, without those types of systems. And so it made a lot of sense to go and do a lot more outreach there and to also start initiatives such as the Trans-Pacific Partnership a major trade agreement that links a number of those countries with the United States. But the world changed. And the world changed in several ways. First off, the financial crisis proved to be far more persistent in Europe than we anticipated that it would. And it had uh, a lot of very serious effects um, in certain particular countries, such as Greece. I won't say it certainly has not affected Europe all in the same way. The second thing that happened, I think, is uh, Ukraine and particularly the annexation of Crimea and the realization that uh, Russia was perhaps a country that was not happy with the status quo in Europe and that seek to destabilize some countries that were trying to move towards Europe. So, um, and at the same time, we had this brief moment of optimism uh, in the, to the south of Europe in what we were briefly calling the Arab transitions. Mm-hmm. And that has, for the most part, disappeared, with the exception of Tunisia. We have um, much more autocratic governments back in uh, power if we don't, in fact, have basically states on the verge of failure, as in Libya and Yemen. So all of a sudden, Europe was not in a very good environment. Mm. A very comfortable environment had, in fact, become uh, a ring of fire around the the continent. At the same time, I think, in part because of that, there became much more of a focus on some things that the United States had done. Uh, the such as, Iraq War, right. uh, Guantanamo, uh, other issues such as this. And I think that whereas normally these would have faded after a while, good partners and uh, good friends often have disagreements that come up and then disappear for a while. 
But along with certain things such as the NSA revelations, the Snowden revelations, so to mm. speak, yeah. uh, it suddenly came to look like the United States was moving on a somewhat different track. And I think to some degree that was true. I think that after 9-11, uh, after the terrorist attacks in Washington and especially in New York, there arose a security culture in the United States. And I think that during President Obama's term, we have seen a, um, I don't want to say a relaxation, because we still are very much going after terrorists, uh, but we have seen that some of the excesses of that early time have been walked back. So you've seen the Patriot Act replaced by the Freedom Act. Right. And... Uh, you now see the Judicial Redress Act passed so that European citizens can have protection from surveillance um, and the new Privacy Shield Agreement that has just been made. But we have a ways to go to get back on, on the same track. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I think that the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership is, is so important because that's actually about bringing our economies and our people closer together. Well, since you mentioned the Trade Investment Partnership, TTIP, I mean, how can that sort of go along on one, path, one track and in parallel we have, these, we have these tensions? Let's not be coy about that. Mm -hmm. Can the two coexist quite, quite easily? Sure. Um, I think, in fact, that TTIP is in part about reminding ourselves of the values that we share, that is to free markets, open economies, but also with protection a uh, rather high level of protection for our citizens uh, against, I mean, neither the United States nor uh, Europe has uh, the kind of cutthroat economy we saw at the beginning of, of the 1900s, for example, right. when you never knew what was in the meat that you were eating or <laughs> anything like that, right? right. Um, we both still continue to have problems with things uh, like food safety scandals every now and then. Uh, we've seen that in both countries, and that's not because of a lack of regulation, but because of individual failures of the regulation. Um, and I think what we do have is very strong systems in both, in both the US and throughout Europe for ensuring the safety of our citizens, um, while also trying to reduce barriers in our economies so that they can be globally competitive. And that's not easy. Right. It's not easy. Okay. I mean, you could have a race to the bottom by getting rid of all these protections, but no one's talking about doing that. Okay. Well, since neither of us have a crystal ball, I will ask you an unfair question about your, your prognostic about the, the timing of any future, mm. uh, future possible conclusion of TTIP. So let's move on to maybe broader politics. Um, how concerned, from your vantage point in, in Washington, D.C., how, how concerned is the U.S. administration, not just the administration, but the D.C. as a political capital, about the current uh, situation of the European Union in the, in the round? Uh, in the whole, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Um, very concerned. Uh, I would say that there is a tendency to be quick to see the European Union actually falling apart, but we are actually seeing... Um, a very, very difficult moment for the Union. I personally think that the migration crisis is far more serious than the Eurozone crisis ever was in terms of threatening the future stability and perhaps even the um, structure of the European Union. The barriers that we are seeing going up within the Schengen zone, even though temporary barriers are allowed within Schengen and have been used in the past, but they are being put up at, without a prospect of when this 
flow of migrants might finish. Um, we also are seeing a real differentiation between countries, particularly in members, particularly in Central Europe, and others about who is willing to take in refugees. And I think that at the heart of the Union is an idea of joint burden sharing. It's not always equal, but there is an element of it. And so I think that with those particular things and the rise of Eurosceptic parties in quite a few countries, yeah. not always getting into power, but becoming more of the political vocal, debate, yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that we are seeing more reasons than we have in a long time to doubt the future of the Union. At the same time, I would note that almost all the solutions for both the Eurozone crisis and the refugee crisis have to do with more Europe. They have to or do cooperation. cooperation of some kind, or whether it's a souped-up Frontex or joint asylum policies or an agreement on best practices on awarding asylum, something like that. But it's even Viktor Orban acknowledges from the beginning of this that the solution was not for Hungary to act totally on its own, but to force all of Europe to act. Right. Well, let's finish off by talking about this small matter of the, the UK referendum on its membership of the European Union in, in June later this year. I mean, again, how concerned is the United States about a possible Brexit, a possible departure by the UK of, this, uh, of the European Union? Very concerned. And I would just say that the fact that our US trade rep, Michael Froman, actually publicly told the British um, that they would not get a trade deal very quickly if they did leave because of we had so many other priorities, shows that the administration is quite uh, determined to make clear to the British that they want them to stay in the EU. And you've heard a number, President Obama, a number of other uh, administration leaders have been very direct about this. Um, I think we have always found the British to be first off perhaps more like-minded uh, with us than, uh, in the, than with other partners that we might seek in the EU. So in terms of keeping the EU a regulatory, a, a relatively open economy in terms of regulatory policy. It's been very useful to have the British there. But I think also TTIP, for example, let's, let's take that agreement. If we get close to having that agreement, it will not be all member states who are wildly in favor, and there will be some tough negotiations within the union about who supports it. In the end, we have to get all the countries on board, all the member states on board. And Britain has always been uh, very credible in doing that and bringing others around and been influential in that way. So to us, to the United States, a European Union without the UK is one that is likely to be more fractured. And it's, we need Europe to be there and to reach consensus on things like TTIP, on things like sanctions um, in response to Crimea, on right. Russia, things like that. Okay. Fran Burwell, thank you very much for your thank time. Thank you.